Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. For those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ, do you ever find yourself feeling like you don't quite stack up? Like as a Christian, you know, you, you see these people and they're worshipping on the platform and they're, they're really excited all the time and, and you don't necessarily feel that way all the time and, and you sort of find yourself going, maybe I'm not really good enough. Maybe I'm not a good enough Christian. You know, they talk about the Bible and, and I don't read it as much as I know I think I should and they talk about prayer and, and, and I try and remember to pray but... I don't necessarily do it as often as I think I can. And, and, and Matt's an amazing prayer. Like, I can't be like him. I'm not good enough. You know, maybe you sit there going, I don't always act like a Christian. You know, Christians act a certain way and that's not me all the time. You know, you might be sitting here and, and this is the one day in seven that you actually think about God and what he's done and who he is. You might be sitting here and this might be your first time to church for a couple of weeks because life has got busy and you kind of find yourself saying, well, <laughs> uh, I just haven't quite made it. I'm just not quite good enough. You know, at the start of the year, we often do like New Year's resolutions and sometimes people do it in the middle of the year as well because they're like anti-New Year's resolutions. So they're going to do it in the middle of the year and they go, well, this time I'm going to get it right. Like from now on, I'm going to read my Bible regularly. I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend you know, like three hours every morning. I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and pray till 8 a.m. because I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to get involved in church and I'm going to give more. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to serve. I'm going to be part of this thing. And you get all G'd up. And you go, right, I'm into it. I'm doing this thing. And first Sunday comes around and you're here early. You know, and you're worshiping with your hands raised higher than anyone else. You're praying harder and, and you, you get, you know, you've given your tithe again and you get to the end of the Sunday and you go, yes, God, what a day. You're amazing. And then life catches up and that momentum that you started kind of fades away and you find yourself a couple of months down the track going, I'm here again. I'm here again. I'm just not quite good enough. I'm just not quite there. You know, maybe you feel like your lifestyle now or your history disqualifies you. You know, but Simon, it's all good and well for you. You're on the platform, but you don't understand. I'm divorced. I'm broken. I was abused. I don't come from a Christian family. Oh, but Simon, you don't understand me. I'm never going to be good enough. I was an addict. Or maybe you still are. I'm not good enough, Simon. I don't act enough like a Christian. We can so easily get ourselves caught up in trying to measure up to this image of what it looks like to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ. We can miss it totally. And I've always wondered, where does that come from? Like this idea that we have to measure up, we have to be enough, we have to do enough. There's something inherent in the human nature that feels like we've got to be better than who we are and what we do. What foundation is your faith based on? 
What do you believe at the very bottom, at the very outset of your foundation of your faith? What are you believing? Because the foundation of your faith sets everything else up. If we're believing that we're not good enough, then how we live our life as a follower of Christ will never be good enough. What is the foundation of your faith? I'm going to get into the scripture in just a moment, but would you just join me as I pray just for a moment? Is that okay? Lord Jesus, I acknowledge the privilege that I have to open your word and to be able to share some thoughts with some great people. Father, I pray for each and every one of us today. May we be inspired by your word. May we choose to live and act differently because of your word. And Father, help me now just describe it in a way that's really helpful and that brings glory to you. In your wonderful name. Amen. You know, um, uh, Matt was talking about the book of Ephesians before, and when you look at the book of Ephesians and you start it up, Paul, who wrote that, often kind of gives this um, explanation of who he is. And at the start of the book of Ephesians, it's all kind of nice and fluffy. Like if you read it, it's like, I'm Paul, you know, I love you so much. You love Jesus. We love each other. Isn't life grand? But that's not the one verse I'm talking to you about. I'm going to start with the start of Galatians, and things are a little bit different. When you read the start of Galatians, you can almost pick up the undertone that Paul is feeling a little narky. Now, I'd encourage you, if you haven't done it yet, read the whole book of Galatians in one sitting. It's only six chapters. And if you read it in the message version or something like that, it can be really easy to read and understand. And when you read it in the whole context of the one thing, you'll find it brings a whole lot of light and new depth and understanding to what Paul was trying to say. But Paul is a bit narky as he's writing to this church or to these churches in Galatia. I'm going to start with reading Galatians 1, and it's going to go through 1 to 9. It says this, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. Pretty, he's making it really clear who he is. I am Paul, an apostle, sent by God, and I've got people with me. <laughs> to the church of Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. I don't know about you, but if you're getting a letter from Paul, like, like Paul, the, this guy who's like made the, the movement of the followers of Christ like explode into the world that had never experienced what it meant to be a follower of Christ. If you get a letter from Paul, you're like, yeah, Paul's sending us a letter, man. This is awesome. It's kind of like a Facebook message popping up. 
but a lot more important because it's a real like letter that he wrote with his hand. People used to do that. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, awesome. Here's a letter from Paul. And then you open it up and you get that. I don't know about you, but I'll be sitting there going, oh, dear, do I really want to read the next few chapters? Not that they were chapters in that time. We've broken that up. It's helpful to understand the setting. You see, the Galatian church were relatively new. They were Gentile, so they hadn't been brought up in the ways that the Jewish people were used to. In fact, the book was probably written around 15 years after Christ's ascension, so it's a relatively new church. As I said, Paul was pretty upset that he had the need to write this letter because the foundation of what he had taught these people was being challenged. In fact, it wasn't just being challenged, it was being perverted into something that it never was. You see, this group of Judaizers, they were called, Christian Jews, had come into this place and, and tried to redirect a little bit what Paul had taught them. Not unlike the gospel that Paul had taught them, just a couple of additions, just a few extra things that they had to do. See, Jesus came as a free gift, not by works, but, but they were kind of getting told, well, it's great that you've found Christ, and it's great that you're following him, but if you really want God to be happy with you, there's a couple of extra things that we'd encourage you to do. You know, we think that, uh, you know, there's a few different foods that you should and shouldn't eat. You know, if you really want to make God happy with you, yes, the gospel that Paul taught you is so important. It's, it's, it's the foundation of everything we do. But there's certain celebrations that you have to partake in. Yeah, the gospel's great, but, but guys, if you really want to make God happy with you, there's this thing called circumcision. And if you really want to be okay with God, that's what you need to do. Could you imagine Life Tracks 101? It's Life Tracks here, isn't it? Is that what we call it? Growth Track, I apologize. Growth Track 101. <laughs> Welcome to Activate Church. I'm Pastor Ben. You've listened to the CD. You've had your four free coffees. And now we're going to take you on a journey of discipleship of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We talk about baptism. We talk about salvation. It must be like the last session, circumcision. You kind of got to catch them before you get them to that point. Like that's a committed follower of Christ, isn't it? There's one word in Paul's opening statements to the Galatian church that I want to draw out. And it's the thing that I feel like is the word for you today. In verse 3 it says, I'm just going to read it to you again. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. That word deliver, it comes from the Greek word exireo. And that is often translated into the word rescued. And I think in our current context and today, rescued to me has so much more weight. It creates a totally different image. See, we've been rescued. Our whole faith, the foundation of who we are, the foundation of what it means to be a follower of Christ, it has to be based on the understanding that there is nothing that we can add to the gospel because we are rescued through no work of our own, through the complete work and the finished work of Christ. 
you know, I like to get into the shed and build stuff and do stuff. Like, you know, I used to, before I was in ministry, I used to sell power tools. So I've kind of got one of almost everything. And I don't get to use them all that often. I actually still have tools that are in their box with the cellophane around them. But so, don't laugh at me. <laughs> I can't help. I'm busy, all right? <laughs> No, you can't have them. I'll use them one day. There's this thing that people keep talking about retirement, maybe one day. Um, but anyway, if, if you're like working and you're hammering a nail and you smash your thumb, it really hurts, right? But you can probably tend to that yourself. Like you can probably, you know, put some ice on it or a Band-Aid and you regret what you've done and all of that kind of stuff. You can take care of yourself if you bash your thumb with a hammer. If you're working with a chainsaw, on the other hand, no, I haven't done this. And you cut your arm and you pass out because you've seen blood and there's blood everywhere and you know it's yours. And next thing you wake up and you're in an ambulance and someone's wrapped up your arm, stopped the bleeding and saved your life, you have been rescued. Yeah? Not through any work of your own. In fact, had you have been left on your own, you'd be dead. It's quite different. Let's assume the car. You know, you, you drive to activate in the morning and you've got a car park team and, and you get there and someone really nice person, probably Zach, comes over and opens the door for you. He's a good guy. He'd do that sort of thing. And, and you get out of the car and you thank Zach very much for opening the door and letting you out and it was a really nice experience and you come into church and have one of your coffees. That's not being rescued. That's enjoying the privilege of a really nice guy helping you out. But let's just say, for example, that you had a significant car accident and you were crushed in the vehicle and they had to come along and use the jaws of life to cut you out. And if they didn't, you would have died. That's called being rescued. It's quite different. You see, there's nothing you could do if you're in that car accident to get out in and of yourself. The thing that astounds me is that we still live as followers of Christ with this idea that we need to perform and we need to do all these things to make God happy with us. It's like, well, actually every other religion I'm aware of, that's kind of the way it works, right? Every other religion I know of, there's like this big cosmic scale. And, you know, if you do something bad and you know you do it, the best thing you can do is do something good and hopefully your good has outweighed the bad and then you kind of get through life and something else comes and you're driving to church and someone cuts you off and and then you yell at them and realize you've got a fish sticker on your car and and it's it's all bad and you go okay I've done the wrong thing so I'll do something good I'll make sure I'll give a bit more than my tithe on Sunday and I'll feel like I've done the right thing and 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 now I've done something good kind of outweigh the bad that I've got done You know, this whole idea of trying to do more good than bad to be justified in our faith, to actually be able to connect with God, to to have God happy with us, is something that we seem to live with day in and day out. And I've seen the perversion of of the end result in that in a place called Varanasi. Varanasi is a place in India, and it's the Holy of Holies if you're a Hindu. So Hindus believe in reincarnation, right? You, you die and if you've lived a good life and you've done enough good things, you come back having a better experience. You might go up through the food chain somewhere. It's this thing called the caste system. But if you're a, a Hindu, 
the best thing you can do is go to this place called Varanasi to die. Because if you die in Varanasi and you get your body cremated and then thrown into this river called the Ganges, then that's kind of like the gateway and the doorway to salvation. No more reincarnation. You're all of a sudden ascended to the place where everyone wants to ascend to. This idea, if, if I do enough, I can find salvation. If I do enough, I can make God happy with me. And you have people who clean toilets for a living and that's all they do and they may or may not get paid and they have to be okay with that. Because if they get upset about the lot in life that they're given, then next time around it's going to get worse. This whole idea of trying to do more good than bad, the cosmic scale, the challenge with that is who measures it? How do you actually know when you've done enough good for the bad? How, how to live a life like that? And here this group of believers who had had the revelation of what it means to be a follower of Christ are being told this same kind of thing. You know, these people who, who only within, within 15 years had, had heard about the creator God. You know, the idea that this God who created everything from nothing, who had always been is eternal, created the world to be able to inhabit with humanity. And humanity was created to be for the sole purpose of being in relationship with God. And then through our own stupidness and brokenness, we sin and we create this separation between God and man. Yet God was not happy with this and he created a way and he sent his son Jesus to come to earth to live a perfect life, to die as a perfect sacrifice for you and for me so that we might be able to have right relationship with God once more. Not through what we do, but through what he's done. And these people understood that and they knew that and they lived in the freedom that came from that. And all of a sudden these people are telling them they've got to work at it. They've got to do more. It's a mess. You know, and we, we look at this whole, you know, the whole scenario, this gospel plus thing as Paul describes it. And we look at them and go, that's crazy. You know, we'd never do that. You know, no one gets circumcised for religious reasons unless you're Jewish in, in the world today. But this whole gospel plus thing, you know, I, I think we engage with that in some ways ourselves as well. You know, we might look at it and go, all right, well, gospel plus. Well, gospel plus, I pray really hard and then I'll be okay with God. Gospel plus, I give my tithe and then I'll be okay with God. Gospel plus, I'll attend church regularly and then I'll be okay with God. And we live this life without necessarily even understanding that is how we lived. Yet Paul once again describes us as rescued which comes through no work of our own. To add anything to the gospel, Paul says, means it is no longer the gospel. It's kind of like, like I like pizza. And, you know, we used to go to this pizza shop some time ago and, and they made really good pizzas and they had this particular one. It was a vegetarian pizza and all it needed was some ham. And then it was like the perfect pizza. So we'd order the vegetarian with ham. 
Now, it may, I've just got a cheer from the back. I've got to, you know, go, brother. Preach it. He's saying, preach it, preach it. But a vegetarian pizza with meat is no longer a vegetarian pizza. It's just not. We can try and say it is, but it's not. We can try and say it's vegetarian with meat, but it's just not vegetarian. A Collingwood supporter with a full mouth of teeth is not a Collingwood supporter. You and I, man, we've got to have coffee afterwards. I can say that because I'm a Collingwood supporter and I'm missing a couple of teeth. But, but it's just, you're just not a Collingwood supporter if you've got a full mouth of teeth, are you? Now we can talk. <laughs> Thank you. Gospel plus anything is not the gospel. Gospel plus church is not the gospel. Gospel plus Bible is not the gospel. Gospel plus good works is not the gospel. Gospel plus being nice is not the gospel. Gospel plus worship is not the gospel. Gospel plus praying is not the gospel. Gospel plus tithing is not the gospel. All those things are super important. And as a follower of Christ, we should be doing them. But not to make God happy. We should be doing them as a response because of the fact that he's rescued us. Like God rescued us. He drew us out of the damaged car. He got us when we cut our arm with a chainsaw. And he, wound, he bound our wounds and stopped our bleeding and took us to hospital. He rescued us through no works of our own. And all the actions that we should do as a follower of Christ is a response to that amazing free gift of the gospel you have been rescued through no work of your own so stop trying to earn it I'm going to say that again reflect on your own journey right now if you call yourself a follower of Christ Do you understand and live in the freedom that comes as being a son or a daughter who is rescued? Do you live with a belief that you've just got to do a bit better to make God actually happy with you? I've just got to do a bit more to make God happy with you. Because the gospel plus anything is not the gospel. Timothy Keller describes it in this way. The gospel of justifying faith, which means being made right with God. The gospel of justifying faith means that while Christians are in themselves still sinful and sinning, yet in Christ, in God's sight, they are acceptable and righteous. So we can say that we are more wicked than we ever dared believe but more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared hope at the very same time. Many strive to be good Christians because the foundation of what we understand is broken. It's built on the wrong thing. It's built on something That is performance driven. It's built 
on a model that is consistent with the world and the way that almost everything else works. But it's not consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, when we get that, when we understand that, when we acknowledge the fact that all the things that, that Pastor Ben talked about last week, the works that we do, because that describes and shows us, shows the world what it means to be a follower of Christ, all of that happens. All of those things happen, but for, for a totally different, with a totally different motivation. You know, when we go to church, we go, oh man, I get to go to church. We live in a world where I get to go to church and I'm not being abused and I'm not going to get killed and my church isn't going to get blown up. We get to go to church and we get to gather with the, with the believers and we get to be encouraged and we get to encourage others. We get to be built up so we can go back out Monday through to Saturday and engage with people who don't know Jesus and show them the love of Christ through who we are and how we act. We get to go to church. We don't have to. We get to. You know, when we read the Bible, it's not a box to tick. It can sometimes be like that, I get it. But the Bible isn't a box to tick. The Bible is, is a privileged book that we have that ties in a huge amount of history of God's people. And it gives us so many opportunities to learn and grow and to become more like Jesus. When we read it, we, can, we need to look at it as a discovery tool, kind of like an excavation. When you go and you understand more about who God is, when you open the Word, you can say, all right, God, what would you like to show me about yourself today? And how would you like me to respond to that? We are privileged to live in a place and a time where we've got, I don't know how many just on this thing. How many Bibles do you have on your phone, let alone on your shelf at home? We don't have to read the Bible to make God happy to, with us. We do it because he is happy with us, because he loves us and we want to know him more. You know, good works, faith without works is dead. We don't do good works because we're trying to make God happy with us, to please him, although it does please him. We do them because we're Christians. We, when we lived in Swan Hill, we had a farm. We had animals on the farm. We had a horse. You'd go to the horse, you'd walk outside and it knew that you were walking towards a place where its food was and it would go, <laughs> you heard it. <laughs> I've practiced. You know why it did that? Because it's a horse and that's what horses do. Good works? We do them because we're Christians. Not because we have to, but because we get to, because we're becoming more like Jesus. And when we're more like him, we'll act more like him. And what would Jesus do? He would do good works. He would help people. He would serve people. Being nice isn't always fun. But we don't do it because we're trying to make God happy. We do it because of who he is. And what he's done and the revelation that we are rescued. So why shouldn't these people experience the good works and, and, and a Christian being nice to them in an environment where maybe they haven't been nice to you? And then they can ask the question, why are you different? What's wrong with you? And you can say, I'm a Christian. I'm rescued. 
I understand that the creator of the world loves me through no work of my own just because he is. I understand that the creator of the world made a way for me to re-engage with him where I'd broken that way through his son Jesus. And I'm so thankful that I've been rescued. Would you like me to tell you about him? When we worship, isn't about making God happy. We worship as a response to the fact that we, we don't deserve it, but we've been rescued. We're in a car that was crumpled and broken and killing us, and he came with the jaws of life, cut us out and rescued and freed us. When you respond to that way in worship, your worship will be different. The way you sing, you won't care that people around you can hear you even if you can't carry a tune. The Bible talks about making a joyful noise, not singing in tune. But we do that because we're rescued as a response to who he is, not because we have to to make him feel warm and fuzzy. When we pray, when we spend time with God speaking and listening to him, it's about deepening in a relationship rather than making him happy. You know, I've seen people all around the world praying and they do all these horrible things. They beat themselves with, with sticks and they, I've seen um, a picture of a man who would take his son to go to the, ch- the temple to pray and they would have blood all over them, including the little baby, because that's what they wanted to do to try and make God happy with them. Yet we have this free opportunity to engage with the creator of the world who's waiting for us to connect and commune with him because he loves us. Because he rescued, with us, he rescued us and made a way for us to connect with him in that way. When we pray, it's all different when we understand we're rescued. When we consider our resources, our tithes and offerings, what God's given us to steward in our hands, when we look at that from trying to please God, we give what we have to give, what we feel like we have to. Often it's the, the question that goes through our mind is, what's the least I can give to make God happy? But when we look at our resources, what we have to steward through the lens of, oh my goodness, I've been rescued. Okay, God, you've, you've rescued me. You've saved me. Like, I'd be dead if it wasn't for you. This is yours. What, what do you want me to do with it? How do you want me to use it? You want me to do that? That feels pretty big, but it's your money. You want me to regularly commit to giving to a local church? All right, it's your money first. You're just going to have to work it out, God. I'm going to steward what I've got because you've rescued me. You've saved me. I was dying and you called me out, restored me, called me son for no other reason than you love me. When we understand that we're rescued, everything shifts. I feel to encourage there's two types of people possibly in this room today. There's those who would call themselves a follower of Christ and there's those who would, would say that they're on a journey. And I want to, I guess, give a different opportunity to respond to both of those people groups in this moment. Because if you're here, you're here on purpose. You know, I don't think it was by chance that I'm on the platform today sharing this. 
It was because Pastor Ben got sick, but I think God knew about it. In fact, I've got a sense that he probably knew about it before Ben was even born. If you're here today and you'd call yourself a Christian, I just want to ask you to, well, let's just everyone close our eyes just for a minute because I want to give you space to reflect and think and process. If you're here today and you call yourself a Christian, take a moment to consider your journey. Think about all the things that you do as a follower of Christ. And for a moment, consider the motivation. Is it truly because you just know you've been rescued and it's a response to that? Or maybe, just maybe, there's some things that you do because it ticks a box or because it makes you think you're a better Christian or because it makes you think God loves you a little bit more when you do. If that's you, I'd love to see your hand just so I can pray for you because I want to pray for you today because I don't want you to go out the same way than when you came in. So if that's you, everyone's eyes are closed at the moment apart from me. Just pop your hand up because I want to thank you. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right across this place. Excellent. Not excellent, that's how you've been living your life, but excellent, you've acknowledged that. And I'm believing today you'll see breakthrough and shift and change that you'll go home different to how you entered because of what God's done in you. Let me pray and those of faith pray with me. Lord Jesus, you saw every single hand that was raised across this place today. Father, we just want to acknowledge right now and declare it with our our hearts that you have rescued us and that you've done that because you love us and you love us unconditionally, no matter what we do and how we do it. And we're so very thankful. Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church weekly podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.